I'm Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa Simone, And this is Taxes for the Masses. Today's episode is on the federal estate and gift tax. In September 2022, Yvonne Chouinard, the octogenarian founder of Patagonia, announced that he and his family had given away their multi-billion dollar fortune. Their wealth, which had mostly been held in stock in the famously climate-friendly outdoor apparel firm, was contributed to a special purpose trust as well as to a tax-exempt organization. In today's episode, we discuss the estate and gift tax consequences of their decision as well as alternative structures they could have considered. Hello, Lisa. Hello, B. Um, we've we've got to work on the fact that you keep giving me words to pronounce like pseudonymous and octogenarian. It is intentional. Yep. I'm aware. I'm aware <laughs> of your devious behavior. This and, is what um, happens when you let me script the episode. Never again. Is, <laughs> is this like breaking the dishes so you don't have yep. to wash the dishes anymore? Yep. Okay. I am employing the common spousal tricks on my work spouse. I like it. I have to say for our 30 Rock listeners, I was wishing we did have a real pronounceify.com where uh, Jack Donaghy paid his way through Princeton by saying every word <laughs> in in the dictionary. Um, all right. So today we are, we're going to stop talking about difficult to say things, I hope. And we're going to talk about estates, gifts, and charitable donations. Oh my. Um, so it got me to thinking that I am hopeful that someday you and I will be able to estate and gift plan with the billions of dollars that we earn from our tax nerds empire. Mm. You just imagine that someday the New York Times is going to write an article about our ingenious estate tax planning. Okay. And we will be able to look back fondly on these early days when we founded a scrappy little podcast so that we could regularly nerd out on taxes together whilst living over 1,000 miles apart. I'm loving all of this. I think my favorite part is how shockingly, uncharacteristically optimistic you are being with this little fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also hope with our billions that we've been able to close that 1,000 mile distance between us. Yes, in my fantasy we have. We are now living together on a compound. In, in Texas? In Texas, a tax nerds compound on Lake Austin, of course. Okay. But I know we need our space. There will be two mansions on it. Of course. One for you, one for me, and then golf carts, of course, to get us back and forth. So we're going to need a a driver to take us to and from the University of Texas campus from our compound out on Lake Austin. I'm never retiring. They're going to have to bring me out of here in a body bag someday. I would expect no less. But we are going to have our tax nerds empire to manage, so you may need to retire from professordom to spend all your time spreading the good news of tax planning and financial literacy to the world right from home at the tax nerds compound. This is starting to sound uh, a little bit like a cult. I can live with that. I'm, I'm not against it. I'm just saying it wouldn't be the first compound in Texas hosting a cult. I'm just, I'm having flashbacks to middle school. All right. So it's lovely to dream and think about having so much money that you literally have nothing better to do than give it away. And because we will have made our billions as, uh, I don't know, tax, what's, what's the word? Like, not pioneers, tax. Uh, President Trump calls it genius. Are we geniuses? Okay. Well, le- now there's someone who we don't <laughs> quote enough in our daily lives. Okay, tax genius. I agree. Yes. 100%. So once we have built this fortune as tax geniuses, yes. it, would, it would be only fitting that we consider the tax ramifications of our gifts, of our charitable gifts. I agree. 
So first, we're going to outline how gifts and inheritances get taxed. Second, we'll explain the, we'll call it interesting structure that, um, can I just start calling him Mr. Patagonia from here on out? Or <laughs> You have to tr- pronounce his name at least once. <laughs> I think everybody will be happier. Okay. The interesting structure that the Chenard family crafted to quote, give away Patagonia and the associated tax consequences. Let's go. All right, let's do this. So in the U.S., we have a combined estate and gift tax. And so what that means is that the sum of all the gifts that you make during your lifetime, plus the net value of your estate left to others upon your death, that whole amount is taxed by the federal government subject to some exclusions. That's right. And those exclusions are so large that these days only about 0.2% of Americans pay any estate tax when they die. That's not very many. It's not. For I feel like sometimes we're always talking about the estate tax and it's yeah. like calm down because it's not that many people. Right. So for example, if you were to die in 2023, the estate tax exclusion is nearly $13 million per person. Per person. So if you're married, that means that you wouldn't have to pay any taxes on your estate until the value of that estate exceeds nearly $26 million. That's that's more than I got. Can we, can we do an example here? We can't. So let's say Mr. Patagonia <laughs> like it. had $3 billion in his estate and he didn't do any estate tax planning. Okay. And let's assume he dies in 2023. He would only get to exclude or basically shelter from taxation only $13 million of that $3 billion estate. So for all intents and purposes, he's pretty much paying estate tax on that entire $3 billion, right? Ah, okay. And with a top federal estate tax rate of 40%, his estate's going to owe over a billion on that. Yes. That's going to be about $1.2 billion in federal taxes. And he may also owe state estate taxes on top of that. Exactly. And there's a tongue twister for you. It is. Now, he could leave all of his $3 billion estate to his spouse because transfers during life or at death within a federally recognized marriage are tax-free. But let's say in this case, he was trying to leave it all to his children. In that case, taxable. So another option would be for him to give away his estate to his loved ones during his lifetime. In that case, he's getting value out of his estate so that there would be less to tax at death. And if that seems too good to be true, uh, it kind of is. Yep. So Congress is on top of it by taxing large gifts made during your lifetime, just like large values of your estate that you leave to others upon your death. Right. But there's also an annual gift exclusion, currently $13,000 on a person-to-person basis each year. So I just want to make sure that I'm understanding all of this. Okay. So this means that in theory, you could give me $13,000 this year tax-free because while we are work spouses, we are not part of a federally recognized marriage. Okay. I I, I agree with all of that. Okay. And you said person-to-person. I did. So you could also give my husband... Derek, $13,000 this year tax-free. Theoretically, yes. Uh And another $13,000 to my daughter, Blake. Okay, do I have like some multi-million dollar book deal that you're pitching on my behalf that I'm not aware? Like, where is this money coming from? I'm just just trying to lay the groundwork here. In theory, in theory, you could send us each checks for $13,000 this year tax-free. In theory, yes, if I had the money, I could gift each of you $13,000 completely tax-free on December 31, and then again on January 1 of 2023, because that would be next year's amount. So each year, I could give each of you the $13,000 annual exclusion completely tax-free, and what's more, if I really had all this money, 
my spouse could also gift each of you $13,000 each year because it's on a person to person basis. So all that's standing in your way of this great idea is just that book deal. <laughs> if only I had ideas. <laughs> Details. We can make this happen. All right. So back to the example, you and your spouse could each gift us $13,000 per year, each year over the course of your life and still have an estate tax exemption currently almost $13 million. So if you die, you could leave us that much too, all tax free. Indeed. Taxes only kick in if I start to exceed that annual gift exclusion or my estate exceeds that estate exclusion of almost $13 million. If I accidentally gift you, say, $13,000 this year plus a birthday present worth fifty, then I have a $50 taxable gift this year. And this is very timely because, as you know, my birthday is coming up. I do know. I did not get you a $50 gift. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So you, as the giver, have a taxable gift. Let's say that again. You, yes. who gave me $13,050, have to pay the tax. Yes, the recipient of a gift or an estate is never the taxpayer. It is always the giver. Correct. In this case, if you didn't want to pay the tax, you could instead use up $50 of your estate tax exemption to avoid paying tax on the gift you made to me this year. But then when you die, you'd have $50 less of that exemption to apply against the value of your estate. Exactly. For this reason, the estate and gift tax system we have here in the U.S. is sometimes referred to as a unified system. Going back to that thing we said all the way back at the top of the episode, the sum of your lifetime taxable gifts plus the net value of your estate is taxable upon your death subject to the estate tax exemption and those annual gift exclusions that we have. Uh, that's the one thing that I learned taking estate and gift from Jesse Boyles 20 years ago. So of course there are ways to get value out of your estate so that it's not a taxable gift nor part of your estate and subject to your estate tax upon your death. And this is where things get pretty interesting, I think. Um, I was pretty interested when you committed on air to you and Matt giving me and my family $78,000 per year tax-free. Um, I think you're hearing things. I think I have it recorded. All right. So you're right. I did mess up. $78,300 each year with that extra $50 birthday present for each of us. Oh, oh. So I'm now also giving you taxable gifts. Everybody. And I'll remind you that payments to qualified medical and <laughs> educational institutions don't count against the annual gift exclusion. So tuition, uh -huh. things like that. I'm just, you've got some options. I'm just saying. Again, I, I don't have like some book deal that I'm hiding from you, but if I win Powerball, I will for sure spread the wealth. Okay. So what you're saying is there's a chance. <laughs> Let's turn to what Mr. Patagonia and his family actually did with the value of their Patagonia holdings, because it highlights that there are ways of getting around the estate tax. Absolutely true. But it is important to note that these ways of getting around the estate tax work because they get assets out of your estate, which means they also take those assets out of your control. Mm. Also, Mr. Patagonia and his family could have avoided a lot more tax if they had structured things differently. This is all true and what I find so interesting about this. Okay, so the first thing they did was gift the voting shares of Patagonia to a special purpose trust. 
And the purpose of this special trust is to maintain a sufficient voice in and voting power over Patagonia's management. And they did that to ensure that the company continues the ethos it was founded on, including environmental protection. And because you said that magic word, gift, Mm -hmm. the shares were gifted to the trust and the shares are worth far more than that annual exclusion of $13,000 per year. And they're bigger than the lifetime exclusion of nearly 13 million. Even if you give that exclusion to each member of the family, this transfer is a taxable gift. Exactly right. And it's interesting that they decided to make that taxable gift and pay gift taxes on it because the remainder of their shares, which are the non-voting shares, those were donated to a newly created tax-exempt organization charged with fulfilling the mission of battling climate change. Because the climate change organization is a 501c4 tax-exempt organization, the transfer is a donation, not a taxable gift. Yes, So they could have donated all of the shares, both voting and Mm non-voting, to this new tax-exempt organization and not paid any gift tax, no estate tax on any of it. Exactly. But instead, because they wanted to preserve some voting rights over the company in a trust, they did have to pay gift tax on the transfer of those voting shares. Yep. And before you go accusing them of claiming a giant charitable deduction on that donation— Actually, most donations to 501c4 type organizations do not generate federal tax deductions. And this is actually a really important point here. Thank you. They could have set up their climate change organization as a 501c3, which would have generated a giant deduction for the family, but they didn't. In fact, the family specifically avoided generating that big deduction for themselves because they wanted to profit as little as possible from giving away their fortune. And this is a really interesting choice. It is. They could have avoided gift taxes if they were willing to also donate the voting shares, but they chose to pay those taxes. And they could have generated a giant deduction to offset future taxes, but they didn't. It is interesting. And so far, it seems like everything that you're saying is really, you know, charitable. But of course, some people were still upset with the transactions and all of the taxes that the family isn't paying on their fortune. Right. So let's talk through how they could have paid more taxes uh, had they made different decisions with their estate and gift tax planning. Fair enough. So first thing they could have done is they could have kept the shares in their estate, passed them down to their children, paid that top rate of 40% federal tax on their billions, less their estate tax exclusion of $13 million per person. Yep. So in that case, they wouldn't have set up a tax-exempt organization uh, with the funds to battle climate change, which something even the most diehard of science deniers are having trouble arguing against these days as they get whipped by, you know, floods and hurricanes and heat waves and my own personal favorite here in Texas, snowpocalypse. Totally agree with that. So another thing they could have done is they could have sold the shares paid a hefty capital gains tax on the appreciation of those shares, and then donated the proceeds to a climate change organization. That way, they fund efforts against climate change, but also pay more taxes. That's fair. Um, In that case, though, they have somewhat less money to fight climate change because they pay those taxes. But yeah, they could have achieved both the donation and the paying of taxes had they done that. Okay, so they could have paid more taxes by either keeping the shares or liquidating them before donated them. But as we said, they also could have paid less taxes had they donated everything to a tax-exempt organization or claimed a giant deduction by donating it all to the right kind of tax-exempt organization. So where does that leave us? I think it leaves us saying that the family found some interesting middle ground 
that allowed them to accomplish their goals of retaining some control over the direction of the company while also ensuring that their money went to a social initiative that they very passionately believe in. They also could have kept it all in the family, but done some more tax planning to avoid paying as much estate taxes. Also true. So it turns out lots of rich people gift highly appreciable assets like founders stock in a company to a special type of trust under the agreement that the trust will pay them an annuity or a fixed stream of income for a certain period of time. The amount of the annuity is set to equal the value of the not yet appreciated stock in net present value terms, such that the amount gifted to the trust is essentially zeroed out. Right. So as an example, you put 10 million of assets into the trust in return for guaranteed payments and expectation of $10 million. Net-net, they really didn't gift any value to the trust. That's, that's the argument. And so that means that the transfer of the assets to the trust doesn't eat into their unified estate and a gift tax exemption, but they still get the value out of their estate and that value is gonna appreciate. The real trick of this play is that what was worth $10 million when they contributed the not yet appreciated stock to the trust could be worth much, much more than that by the time they die, say 100 million. And when they die, that value goes to the beneficiaries of the trust, for example, their kids. So with some foresight and planning, a rich family gets, in this example, $100 million to their kids free of gift or estate taxes. Which is a pretty nifty trick if you're rich. It is. And there are other structures that accomplish this similar goal of getting appreciable assets out of your estate before they appreciate so that all of those appreciation goes to your beneficiaries tax-free. So in theory, had Mr. Patagonia acted early, he could have left billions of dollars to his family without paying any estate or gift taxes. In theory, it's possible. But he chose to pay at least some gift taxes and not to leave it all to his family, in part because apparently his kids didn't even want it. Um, I would like to take this moment to volunteer to bear the burden of wealth of any rich <laughs> listeners out there whose kids don't want their money. I'm sorry, the burden of wealth? I mean, being rich is hard, isn't it? I would not know. Yeah, me neither. All right, so it is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I have officially turned over a new leaf and I'm going to forevermore start this segment of the podcast with the good stuff. I give that two episodes max, but go on. Okay, ignoring that. Um, one good thing is that we dug into some of the finer points of charitable giving. Mm. Now, many people are familiar with 501c3 organizations and the tax consequences that go along with donations to these organizations. But today I enjoyed talking about some of the other, maybe less well-known organizations to which individuals can donate their money. I agree, special trusts, 501c4, it's, I mean, I'm just nerding out on this, it's awesome. And given the different tax consequences that come with those donations, it was really interesting to see the Patagonia family structure their donation of the Patagonia fortune in a way that essentially had them turn down opportunities to avoid tax. So, I mean, it's no coincidence that we are releasing this episode during what some people uh, characterize as the season of giving. It's almost like it was planned. Almost. And I doubt anyone will be mistaking the Patagonia family for Scrooge McDuck, like some other wealthy individuals who have given away their fortunes, but haven't always looked for a relatively high tax way of doing so. <coughs> Zuckerberg. Sorry, I, I got a little bit of a cough. So, of course, I Googled, um, how did Scrooge McDuck make his fortune? Oh, interesting. Do you know how Scrooge McDuck made his fortune? 
slaughtering other ducks, I'm assuming. <laughs> okay, this is it. It's grim. It's grim. <laughs> Apparently, um, he struck gold during the Klondike gold rush. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Yes. You have a, yeah, truly fascinating way of wasting your time. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. So who, 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 whom amongst us has not Googled how did Scrooge McDuck <laughs> make his fortune? I am raising my hand right now. <laughs> Uh, okay, so other bad things besides you wasting your time um, is that no matter what you do, you're gonna get criticized, right? Yeah. Who would have thought that gifting money during your lifetime could be so controversial? And actually things aren't much less controversial for money that you give away at death. True, yeah. Some individuals despise the notion of an estate tax so much that they've essentially succeeded in labeling it a death tax, even though, as we said, only 0.2% of Americans pay it. And it is sort of staggering just how low that percentage is. But it makes sense if the exemptions above 13 million, 26 million married, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's also staggering that the majority of Americans are in favor of higher taxes on the rich. And we continue to see wealth or billionaire income tax proposals cropping up. And as with so many things tax related, it is pretty political. You don't say. So a 2022 Gallup poll showed that a slight majority of Americans, 52%, favor taxes as a means of wealth redistribution through heavier taxes on the wealthy. But when you break that number down, it's 79% of Democrats and only 24% of Republicans. So So with a split Congress, you're telling me a billionaire tax isn't likely anytime soon. I am. That is what I am telling you. Maybe fixing the estate tax so it has a little more bite would be an easier fix. You know, it might be. And interestingly enough, there are some young millionaires in Europe who actually want the government to tax a larger portion of their inherited wealth because they don't like the idea of rich people being able to sponsor whichever ideals they choose. Wow. And would you like to hear more about that? I would. Yeah, that sounds super interesting. Well, this, ladies and gentlemen, is our first ever Taxes for the Masses cliffhanger. (gasps) To be continued. You're going to have to stay tuned for the exciting conclusion of this two-part estate and gift tax episode. Same bat time. Same bat podcast channel. Well, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us for more tax nerdery on future episodes of Taxes for the Masses. 